This is the business of sports. Should Major League Baseball shorten up the season? How do we present football to the audience of the future? I don't think that most players understand the power that they have. Michael Barr. The future of IndyCar racing is looking bright. Scott Soshnick. Very basic math here. More bidders means more money. Evan Novi williams The team value has essentially quadrupled. And the leaders in the sports industry. Time to bring in our guest, Hal Steinbrenner. National Hockey League Commissioner Gary Bettman. Atlanta Braves President Derek Schiller. Patriots President Jonathan Kraft. Bloomberg Business of Sports. From Bloomberg Radio. Hello, I'm Michael Barr. I'm Evan Novi williams And I'm Scott Soshnick. Over the next hour, we will explore the big money issues in the world of sports and talk to some of the biggest players in the industry. Today, we speak with Steve Rapp, president of SNY, the New York Regional Sports Network that's home to the Mets. That's coming up on Bloomberg Business of Sports. But first, let's look at this week's top stories, starting with a somewhat controversial milestone in college sports. Controversial, you think, or predictable? It's predictable controversy. Let's put it yeah, that you think so? <laughs> well, in essence, in short, to sum it up, Mr. Novi Williams, the amount of money that colleges are now spending on coaches and their staff and administration, both of those have eclipsed what they spend on scholarships. Yeah, I think the the, the, the coaches' pay has been bigger than scholarships for a while, and now it's this administrative administ- cost yeah, as well. The admins and the staff has joined um, them. Yeah, I mean, it's I, I, predictable seems like a, a good word for this. I mean, the the, the spending is, is going so big at the top top level of college sports. Uh, this doesn't surprise me. One other, you know, thing I have to mention the the accounting for scholarship spending is so poor right now in college college sports. The, the number that pick your school, Alabama, Ohio State, the number they say they spend on scholarships is so dramatically inflated. Um, Does it even these matter? Things, they don't cut a check. I mean, they can exactly, always reap it by they, in, either raising tuition or admitting some other student. Yeah, they don't actually cut a check. That, to exactly. Yeah, they're they're paying that money to the school. Right. We won't get into transfer price accounting and, and how that works. That's but good. No, we won't. It is a uh, <laughs> it, it is essentially a phantom number. So so the, the, realistically, the, the the amount they were paying to you know staff and administration probably eclipsed this fee a long long time ago. But it is another highlight of, of the way in which you know some of the revenue stream or the, the expenses, the ones going to players, are staying relatively flat. There's been a little yeah, bit of change, yeah, but it's, it's staying almost, pretty flat. Zero. Yeah, uh, and there are other line. ones, including you know facility costs and the cost of coach and administration, that are essentially skyrocketing. And I should say kudos, by the way, to Steve Berkowitz over at USA Today. He puts this stuff together every year, does better than anybody, covers the numbers of college sports, does a real good job. Let's turn to the next topic. This one bums me out because I thought the momentum was going, but it's looking like gender discrimination talks between the U.S. women's soccer team and the U.S. Soccer Federation are breaking down. This is where I have fun with you, Barr. Yeah. What was it out there in the atmosphere that made you think there was momentum? Because I honestly thought since this is 2019 and since the U.S. women's soccer team won it all, that maybe, just maybe, people would realize that this gender discrimination in the problems with pay so and all this other stuff. So you've got your mind made up. You're saying the, the women's players are right. Yes. You're saying you've got to pay yes. them more. Yes, I, I am. No buying into the U.S. soccer argument of they do not generate the same revenue as the men. Name me the soccer team that you've been talking about for the past several months. I understand that, but they also played in a World Good Cup point. the past several months. Good in the men, point, if, this, if this was the men's World Cup and the U.S. was in it, I would say to you, 
how much more attention are the men getting than even the women did during their World Cup? This this is this is wrong. I'm not saying right or wrong, but I'm just saying I, I don't think that argument. You're, again, it's apples to watermelons. You've got a team playing during a World Cup year versus a team that is not in the World Cup. I like apples. And I like watermelon. <laughs> I was with you for a bit, Bar, until until U.S. Soccer a couple weeks ago came out with its version of the numbers, right, which was a drastically different accounting than what the women put out. And then quietly, U.S. Soccer has also hired two lobbying firms to go to Capitol Hill and 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 lobby against these these federal bills that would essentially prohibit them from receiving federal funds if they weren't paying the two teams equally once you saw those two things you know my mind began to think you know maybe this mediation isn't going to <laughs> yeah. isn't going to end up um we'll see now now we're heading to a, a jury trial i jury guess trial, and, yeah. and and we're gonna lay lay it all out there as a journalist who likes you know to to, to see disclosures and things like that I'm, i would have liked to recently you had grand jury and, and paneling you didn't get picked but i would have liked to picked. see you serve on this jury oh that would have been great why dear you'd have been out yeah, yeah, <laughs> immediately right, right yeah. away <laughs> wait Novi williams i know him he's out <laughs> and finally another soccer topic look at us St. Louis, they may have lost the Rams, but they're gaining a football team of a different sort. Oh, Evan, I'm going to let you handle it. They may have lost the Rams, but MLS is <laughs> They did is lose the Rams, but they're yeah. getting MLS. Um, yeah, so MLS. How many you know, teams now? So many. This would be 20. I, I, I really cannot keep This track. would be 28 for folks who are curious. LAFC was 23, and Cincinnati this year was 24. We're getting teams in Miami and Nashville next year, Austin in 2021, and then reportedly St. Louis in 2022. So that will be number 28, which makes this league big. Big. That's uh, big. that's big even for a soccer league. Uh, one other thing of note for this franchise, you know, St. Louis has been trying for a while to get an MLS team. Uh, this would be a, a majority female-owned soccer team. Carolyn Kindle Betts. Yep. Right up top. Uh, Enterprise, yeah. Enterprise, so, yeah, um, yeah th- I think that's a, a nice little note for, for MLS. Yeah. M- maybe we need to get her involved in this Pay discrimination. <laughs> I think there are enough people involved, Michael. Paul. Now let's get to this week's interview with Steve Rabb. He's the president of SNY, the New York Regional Sports Network that's home to the Mets. The team is also a majority owner of SNY. Other investors include Charter and Comcast. Steve, how about those Mets? I mean, they have been on a roll for a while. They've been playing back above 500 ball now. I mean, they're looking great. It's been an incredible run, right? The last 16 or 17 games, they've won eight out of the last nine, I think 15 out of the last 17. Come on, truth be told, trade deadline, did did you think they were sellers? Like, oh, I kept hearing Syndergaard's going to go, and I'm like, if that happens, then uh, uh uh-oh. I thought, thought, yes, I thought perhaps they were measured sellers, meaning... Short-term sellers getting themselves in a in a position for next year as opposed to several years down the road. Oh, wait till next year. You don't want to hear that. They weren't saying that, but I didn't. <laughs> I didn't feel like they were wholesale sellers. Yeah. Okay. Got it. Well, my thing is, is with the Mets is first of all your view of the playoffs and can they make the playoffs because they've had this heck of a run. Well, they certainly can make the playoffs. I think as we sit here today, there's something like half a game out of the second wild card right. spot. So with the changes in the baseball playoff structure and the run they've had, they're right in there. But I think there's, you know, there are a lot of teams right in there. So yes, they can make the playoffs. Um, and they're beating be, the teams that they needed to beat. They are, but there's a lot of baseball left to be played, but they're in it. And on August 14th, right, the, to be able to say they're in it, given what the first half of the season was, is really pretty remarkable. Take out the abacus, though. What does it mean? 
Okay, give me some dollars and cents implications on what this winning streak, the attention, the possibility of the playoffs, the excitement, what does it mean for SNY? Well, what it means for SNY, it will mean something this season, right? Because we've got two months left of the season and the opportunity for us in those two months um, short term is ad sales. And as ratings go up, look, just over the last nine games, we've seen ratings go up 40%. They stay in it. Those ratings come to a different level. Um, the demand, the pricing Okay, so changes. if Novi underscore Williams Inc. wanted to buy an ad <laughs> on the Mets game a month ago, what's it cost him? If he wants to do it this week, next week, what's it cost him? Um, I mean, there's a lot of... It depends. I think the, the, the simplest answer to that is that next week um, might cost them double what it cost them last wow. month. Double? Can you put a number on it? It's hard. You know, you could be looking in the $8,000 neighborhood. Okay. And and that's for how long a spot is that? Thirty. Thirty seconds. And and I know that you know other you know a lot of sports properties depending on what they are will sell ads you know a season in advance. How much inventory have you already sold for a game next week? How much do you deliberately leave out in the case that the Mets get super hot and suddenly prices double? Kind of how do you manage the inventory like that? Our strategy going into a year is um, something. You know, something north of two thirds um, is probably committed by opening day. Mm. So that's why the opportunity when you get to August 14th, there's opportunity, but you're not sitting with, you know, tons of inventory. You made commitments before the season started and, and some of that's a hedge. Right, and some of that is just how we manage the business. I was going to ask how much of that is is you kind of trying to read tea leaves about the team? I mean, is there any? I think the team's going to be out, you know, outperform expectation. Let's let's hold back a little bit more on inventory. Is there any of that, or is it just kind of a set number, two thirds before, and let's you know, let's see if the team gets gets good. We'll, we'll suddenly. You know, we'll, we'll reap the profit on the yeah, other Yeah, it's third. actually something—I mean, the truth is it's a little bit north of two-thirds without giving you a, a specific percentage. Hmm. But that's that's our strategy, I think, as, as we look at the business. Because what's the real opportunity from a winning team? In our business, you're really always a year in arrears. The opportunity, the bigger opportunity, is always the next year. And when you think about the commitments that you're putting in place before the next opening day, right— so much of that work is being done, say, between December and the end of March. So there's a short-term opportunity, but it's the next year's opportunity um, that is, uh, that's even greater. And with teams that, that compete in a sustainable fashion, that opportunity to put together multiple years of, of being competitive makes you know, can really make a difference. We're chatting with Steve Rad, the president of SNY. So then take me through next year then. It, let's just say you make the playoffs. The Mets make the playoffs. All is good. What X does next year look like, considering you'll have that, that full runway uh, of knowledge of the team is really good and it has the prospect of being really good? From an ad sales standpoint, you would be planning and pushing to be up double digits. Now remember, in our business, though, right, we really have – you know, what I would consider, you know, in the core business, three primary revenue streams, right? You have affiliate fees, 
you have ad sales, and for us, we have syndication. So it's the 25 games here in New York that are on PIX11, and as we move out into the territory, it's on other over-the-air stations primarily. So ad sales is very meaningful to us, but it's not, you know, it's not the biggest It's not the be-all, end-all of the revenue. Right. right. So your ownership structure, mm-hmm. you have Charter, you have Comcast as part of your ownership. We hear so much about these carriage disputes. Mm-hmm. Are you largely insulated from that because of the heft of those two? I mean, obviously, you're, you're not going to be taken off. That's, that's a lot of customers in the area. It would be hard for SNY to be dark somewhere. Well, I don't think in today's world anybody is insulated from that dynamic, right? Like, it's tougher out there. But there's no doubt that our ownership structure, which is a, a combination of, you know, the majority owners who are the owners of the Mets, and then you have, as you mentioned, Charter, and you have um, Comcast, NBCU, um, from that standpoint, it doesn't insulate us, but it's, it's definitely, um, we definitely benefit from, from that ownership structure because um, we're reasonably independent, but at the same time, we have these partners who, you know, are, are big players in this space, and yeah, it helps us. Can you take us through what the competition is like? Because your biggest competitor is at Yankee Stadium with the Yes Network because you have two major baseball teams here in the New York area. What is that competition like? I've never been able to completely get my arms around how to answer that question because here's the truth. The I've truth- never been able to get my arms around bar. Well, <laughs> yeah, but that's a whole new story. Because <laughs> um, listen, this is this is the reality. The reality is that the best scenario for SNY and the Yes Network is for the Mets and the Yankees to be really good and be playoff teams. It is the classic you know, high tides and, you know, boats rising. And while I think we would all be lying if, if psychologically we didn't say our preference would be for us to be good and the guys cross town to be not as good, the economics support both teams being as relevant as they can be. So when you sort of, when you come from, uh, to a, from a competitive standpoint, we don't run into too much, they're gonna pick yes or they're gonna pick SNY. If you wanna be in baseball, if you want live sports in the spring and the summer and the early fall, if you wanna, you know, New York is a baseball town. If you want baseball, you want baseball. You don't want Mets or Yankees. That's from interesting an, because from an I, advertiser standpoint, it, from an advertiser standpoint, but I know fans, and I remember the year when the Yankees and the Mets made the World Series, and I remember telling somebody, my my father-in-law is like, "Hey, everybody in New York wins," and my father-in-law, who is a fierce Mets fan, said, "Don't you ever say that again." <laughs> so I, I guess I wonder, you know, when you have fierce fans. Which I've never seen in a in a baseball town like this. It, what is that like? I've really not known anything different, so I think I'm just so used to it. But I will say this: um, Look, 
We know the guys at Yes Network. John Lintner, who's the president of Yes Network, originally, you know, started SNY and he hired me at SNY. Um, and even when he was then working at NBCU, so he and I, you know, we're we're also we're colleagues and and we're friends, and they're good competitors. Um, they they produce at a high level. We produce at a high level. Um, they value their product just like we value the product. And having having a good competitor who who you believe knows the business and goes about it in the in the right ways, um, I think I think benefits us. Now again, sort of you know, in my mind, do I wish we were the only game in town? Yeah, I guess in some respects I do. But at the same time, I know from a business standpoint that we make each other better. And I think the market is better for having both of us. So it's a, um, it's really a six of one, half dozen of the other, you know, as we go through this. We're speaking with Steve Rabb, president of SNY. And, and Steve, can we talk digital rights for a second? Sure. I think a lot of our listeners will understand. You guys have the broadcast rights to the, to the Mets all season. Um, where do you stand with, with digital rights for SNY? So we've been doing in-market um, in streaming on an authenticated basis, right? So mm -hmm. if you have SNY as part of your pay TV package, you're able to, um, on most distributors, you're able to tap in and access SNY on, on your phone or on the go, or however it is you want. And that's through an arrangement with Major League Baseball. We, we continue to work and push, um, and not just us, I think, all of the RSNs and the clubs trying to figure out what really is the you know fair allocation or distribution of those digital rights, and I see it from a little bit different perspective, right? I I think that um, that the charter, as it relates to digital rights and Major League Baseball, I think I think needs to be adjusted. I think what was put in place a lot of years ago. Um, when it was hard to see how the digital world was really going to evolve and develop. Um, in my view, I just think there needs to be an adjustment, I think. And that charter is that baseball owns those rights, essentially, right? I think overly simplified. Sen yeah. okay. um, that's, that's how, now, they're not able to fully exploit everything in the local market, and so some things just aren't exploited. But I, you know... And I understand I come at it from a different perspective because we're the RSN. But I think the, given all the content we create and how the world has evolved, I think that um, I think that baseball fans in the market would be really better served if we had um, if we had more vibrant rights than we have today. Yeah, and I, I know that the baseball has been at least having conversations about the idea of giving those rights to individual teams, mm -hmm. right? To let, instead of baseball selling its, you know, Major mm -hmm. League Baseball, you know, .TV package out, mm -hmm. letting the Mets instead go to the market with their own kind of slice of, of Mets rights. Is that is that a, uh, is that part of the solution that, 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 that you're looking for? What, what kind of changes would you like to see? I'm encouraged by some of the dialogue about just where the rights for streaming um, potentially may or may not go, but hopefully that there's more dialogue about, you know, local live 
in, let's start with sort of live games. Local live game rights, in my view, is, are it's not it's not just about you know when we talk about linear TV or digital TV or what is TV, right? I think sort of the old definition is it was that screen that was hanging on on your wall at home, right? And what are we what are we really doing? I mean, in my view, what what an SNY or any RSN that has these local baseball rights is doing is they're producing and distributing live games and pre and post game and everything else we're doing um, within the team's territory. And I'm not sure that there still is a distinction to be made between whether it's a screen that's on the wall or a screen that you're holding in your hand in the house or outside the house. Um, I'm just not sure um, what that really should look like now, but probably is coming into view and a little bit differently in view than whatever was contemplated 15 years or so ago when baseball was doing this. And listen, baseball has done some really great things, right? The at-bat product, pretty darn good. Um, I use it as well. The ability for different outlets to to bring you highlights, to bring them in reasonably real time um, is positive, but also has an effect hmm. on what we're doing. And so how do you, you know, how do you harness sort of all the technology, all the evolution, uh, consumer and, and viewer behavior so that it's that you continue to grow the pie? Um, as opposed to just how you're how you're slicing an existing pie. We're chatting with Steve Rabb, the president of SNY. And Steve, as I was following the RSN sale, the Fox RSNs, the 21, yeah. obviously the Yankees bought back, yes, a partnership yeah. with Amazon. <laughs> Who knows where that's going as a strategic? What are they looking to do? I think, I think they're going to look to make it a, a sort of an OTT app with, with Amazon's help. I, I don't know. We'll see with, with Gambling Incorporated. But what I kept hearing, and the price wasn't what everybody thought it would be at the start when Disney was selling. We kept hearing like $20 billion, wound up being closer to about 10 So what I kept hearing from the analysts out there is that this, this business is under pressure. This is not the cash cow. It's a risky proposition. When you were looking at the deal and you're in the business, what were you? what was your purview of the Fox RSN sale? and these entities as revenue-producing businesses? Well, you know, first off, I, I'm not sure if anybody ever saw them as a $20 billion sale. I think that there was, um, I think that there was a misunderstanding about, you know, where, what Disney bought them at and where they had them valued and what drove the price up Right of what Disney bought, the competing bid in the in the bigger pie. Absolutely, okay, but okay. that that by itself doesn't make the RSNs worth more because because there was an, an outside force that drove up a much bigger a much bigger purchase. So I'm not sure that I was really um, that I was really surprised by you know what was first floated as this really big number. And then, and then where it came down to, I think that 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 was probably where everybody was 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 looking at them would be would would be my guess. As as I, they're great businesses. I think probably the you know if there's concern about them, it's 
however, however far out into the future, right? And the ability to, because ter- they're terrific businesses today and they're gonna be terrific businesses tomorrow. And I think the question is, you know, whoever was the buyer, um, what did they envision? What did, what did they envision doing with them? I we think- had Chris Ripley, the Sinclair CEO on the show. He said he's still looking for more. He wants to add more to the portfolio. Um, Sinclair has a lot of muscle in the distribution game. And look what they did with the tennis channel. Yep. Right? So I'm, I would guess at some level he sees, uh, he sees some of that. And those, those Fox businesses have been run well. And I'm sure Sinclair sees an opportunity from a distribution standpoint to, to, to do better with them. I can understand, and I think I always thought that whoever bought them um, was going to have to be somebody who already had distribution muscle. Well, that's why when the bid, when there was consolidation in the bid groups, anytime you didn't have a partner with the distribution heft, right, it was like that's not going to work. I didn't think it would. Right. Okay. Um, right. So, are they are they risky? I think the media business is changing so much. I mean, look, we've had SNY for 14 years. The rate of change has been crazy. When we started SNY, you know what the big, and we were, we were negotiating distribution deals. You know what the big issue was? First, like the big issue when we were doing our initial distribution deals, HD. Are you going to have games in HD? Seems laughable. Now, can't right? imagine. That Only the, in bar household that, could I imagine no issue. <laughs> Even in stereo. <laughs> um, and so the the pace of change has just been has been it's been great. Um, and so I think it is that challenge of I think buyers wondering about the bundle, how the RSN has existed what's going to evolve, what's going to change with Major League Baseball, right, as it relates to rules there. So I think there are, as a buyer, there are unknowns. And you're not talking about, you know, a, a deal that's $50 million or $200 million. I mean, I think when you're doing, no matter how big you are, when you're doing deals, you know, with a B, right, you're doing deals that are, that are billions and billions of dollars, um, I think there's a, a degree of of risk as you look out, as you really look out to the future. And I think that there's a lot of change and there's a lot of pieces that still probably need to be figured out by Major League Baseball. And so I don't know if I, I don't know if I would characterize it as much as, as risk as, or as I would sort of the unknowns right now with unknowns comes risk and an opportunity buy, and opportunity. Right. But when you're spending billions, yeah, you know, you have to measure risk with us. And we're getting yelled at. We have to wrap up. But I did want to give you one thing because it's close to my heart. You know, everybody who listens to this show knows I love the hockey. Mm -hmm. You guys do have something called the Connecticut Cup coming up. You're putting together the best collegiate clubs in Connecticut and putting it on SNY. I think it's going to be a hit because I think there's an appetite for it. If you got 20 seconds, can you tell me what you're doing with hockey in Connecticut? Connecticut Ice is a festival in the state of Connecticut that is bringing together the entire... um, amateur hockey community in the state. And it is anchored by an annual tournament with the four Division I hockey programs in the state, Yale, Quinnipiac, Quinnipiac, UConn, Sacred Heart. Heart. Um, We will pack uh, 
Um, the arena in Bridgeport, which has about 8,000 people, will have youth tournaments. We have cross-ice jamborees for the mites. We have high school showcase games for both girls and boys. It's an entire weekend that brings together all 14,000-plus um, amateur hockey players and their families well, in the well, state. Well, now that you have pull, if Yale needs a goalie, you know who to call. <laughs> uh, by the way, I love the way you said the hockey, like I would say the Facebook. I, I, you, say the the for, you say the the in front of everybody. <laughs> the MLB. You, you got to start. You got to stop pulling him out of school on Fridays then if you want him to be the goalie. He's missing the yeah. first Friday. He's missing the first Friday already. Are you kidding me? It's a talk I have with his teachers every year. By the way, while I you know something I like to ask our, our brilliant guests, the underscore in his Twitter handle, Novi underscore Williams. You okay with this? We got to remove the underscore. No need for it. I feel like he's trying to you know like create confusion. Oh. And with Norby Williamson, <laughs> former ESPN programmer. Yes, like you know, it's got it. That's what I feel. I got. And it. I can't change it now. It's been, it's been so ridiculous. So on brand. That I cannot. Even if I wanted to, which I'm not saying I did, but even if I wanted to, I can't change it now. Uh, Steve Rapp, the president of SNY, the Mets Network. Thank you so much for joining us. We appreciate it. One thing. Home of all New York sports, not the Mets Network. Please. Oh, uh, you're right. I will say no, all... no, 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 no. Say it like your promo. <laughs> Get Around. your New York sports here. Yeah, I like Get it. Your Get your New, New York sports here. here. <laughs> <laughs> Steve, thank you, sir. Thank you, guys. Know what I learned from Steve Rabb? Don't just say it's the Mets Network. We have a lot of New York programming to present to you, and and, and they are very good at it, I might add. The the booth is the best. I mean, yeah. Gary Cohen, Ron Darling, Keith Hernandez, that's that's a really good booth. And Haji, don't forget Haji. Oh, my God. Anyone who does not follow Keith Hernandez on Twitter, if you like good cat content, learn about the <laughs> Prince of Keith's house, Haji. His long time. I mean, this this cat is treated as a better life than 99% of the people out there. Haji gets treated very well. <laughs> For me, uh, it's about the direction, and, and we talked about the digital there at the end. What? Where are we going with all this? What are the teams going to control? Are they going to go direct to consumer? Uh, we already know the NFL has asked its teams to contribute more content to the central office. They want to push that out on the digital networks. You're, you're going to be inundated. You really, what are you going to, insider info from players, from, from coaches, from owners, all the time. I mean, the teams have obviously the access to all this, and it's all going to be made available to the fans. Agreed. And as, you know, the digital process, you know, creeps more and more into this, you know, Amazon owns a piece of Yes Network, right? So, so we'll see how that goes. Another takeaway for me, um, just the extent to which, you know, a hot streak can can affect you know the, the the business on such a granular level right like the, the the Mets went two weeks got hot and suddenly ads were selling for twice as much as they were uh, the week before right so so that's good, why they say winning cures all exactly, ills because everybody a, makes money a good little snapshot on you know what even you know just a, a nice two week stretch for a baseball team uh, can mean to the the network that carries their games. My goal is to be the number one pick. That's something I've been dreaming of since kids. It feels better to be number one than number five. I wear the number because of Mike. We have a chance to go for three in a row. Good numbers at a good time. When I first started wearing that number, I was just happy and proud. Bloomberg Business of Sports, the number of the week. Time now for the number of the week. It's a sad number for somebody. 500,000. Oh, you went with the one I told you? Yes. That okay, was. so oh, I'm, I'm going to disqualify myself. I don't know, then. but I'm assuming someone lost it. <laughs> 
Uh, well, <laughs> are you not reading the internet, the, the interwebs? Five hundred thousand dollars stuff. Come on. See, I didn't oh, say dollars. Yeah, 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 I know. Yeah, well, he obviously yeah. didn't get it on the five hundred thousand. We had to help. Uh, Num- the numbers apparently in dispute. Yeah. Uh, well, in fact, I don't care if it's one hundred thousand. Yeah. I mean, I mean. Let go me, ahead, Bar. Explain. Let me explain. Uh, Alex Rodriguez, uh, Yankees great. Uh, he was calling the game because he's in the booth now for ESPN. Uh, I believe he was uh, the San Giants. Game. He was in San Francisco. Right. He was in San Francisco. He had a rental car. Had equipment in the car. Jewelry and in the car. Jewelry in the car. Stuff. He had stuff. He had stuff in the car. Stuff and somebody stuff. stole his stuff. <laughs> somebody stole his stuff. Yeah, and hundreds and I, of thousands of dollars of stuff uh, but now, in the rental car. Yeah. Somebody says that, you know, in fact, from uh, A Rod's team is like, now it's a little exaggerated that it was $500,000. Okay. If it's $5,000, it's insane. My you, goal in life is to reach a point where someone could break into my rental car and, and get away with $500,000 worth of stuff. First, I want to be able to rent a car and then have stuff in it to yeah. steal it. And Who would have thought that Ford Focus had so much stuff in it? <laughs> uh, you've been listening uh, to the Bloomberg Business of Sports. Get the man stuff back. We're here each and every week at the same time, plus online, wherever you get your podcast. And you can catch that Mondays, Wednesdays, and Thursdays. I'm Michael Barr on Twitter at Dick Barr Sports. I'm Evan Novi Williams at Novi underscore Williams. And I'm Scott Soshnick. You can follow me on Twitter at Soshnick. Thank you for joining us. And please tune in next week when we speak with the biggest and brightest in the sports business industry. You're listening to Bloomberg Business of Sports from Bloomberg Radio around the world. <laughs>